So when you guys think of the word saints, what do you think of? Believers. Good. All of us. Wow, you guys are ahead of the curve. Great. Anything else? <laughs> Those in heaven. Does anybody think of the New Orleans Saints? Or is it only me? <laughs> um, anything else that comes to mind for the Saints? I think of big stained glass windows with the Saints of the Church. You know, going to the Catholic Church growing up with my wife. Uh, in my office, I have some uh, Greek icons of some of the early saints and martyrs of the early church. But of course, the saints is all of us this morning. That's exactly what we're going to talk about in Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 to 23 this morning, as we continue this series on the book of Ephesians. Um, so let's pray, and then we'll dive right into it together. God, we come to you, God, as the saints and sinners of this church. God, be with us as we uh, look in your word, as we uh, hope to apply this Holy Scripture to our lives. God, to be better disciples for you. In Jesus' name, amen. So we, def we have defined what the saints are, and it isn't the New Orleans saints, but I do think one Sunday we should all wear jerseys to church and represent our teams. You know, I think that would be great. Um, we used to do that growing up. So, uh, you guys know who Mother Teresa is, right? We've talked about Mother Teresa. Yeah. So I, I just want to kind of share a story about Mother Teresa. So she wanted to build an orphanage. As you guys know, she helped all of these children in need. And some actually laughed at Mother Teresa because she only had three shillings of money to pay for this orphanage. Now, I want you to think, I don't know what that is equivalent in today's money, but it doesn't sound like a whole lot. Three shillings. And she replied, with three shillings, Teresa can do nothing. But with God and three shillings, there is nothing Teresa cannot do. This is the greatness of his power. So think about this in your own life, that with God, we really can't do anything. It's all God's. Everything we own, every hour of our life is the Lord. And without the Lord, we can really do nothing. But with the Lord, we can do anything that he wants us to do. Anything that the Holy Spirit is leading us as a people, as a congregation, is possible for God. So again, we're going to continue this study of this church in Ephesus Again, a church not marked with perfect people, but people filled with faith like Mother Teresa. People that were marked with faith like the early church fathers and mothers, and I am sure the people who founded this congregation. And I told you last Sunday a story of an Amish man. Do you guys remember that? Right? They asked Somebody asked them, well, are you a Christian? And he said what? Does anybody remember? Ask my neighbor. So, when we look at our congregation of First Lutheran, what does our neighbor say? Do they say we're Christians? I sure hope so. And why do they say we're Christians? What is it about our congregation that makes a mark in this community? That has changed the lives 
of Gray Manor. Now, I shared this story with another parishioner already. You see, this is what happens. I start thinking about things throughout the week, and then they come together for a sermon. So last, oh, what was it? Wednesday, I believe, uh, we had the funeral for the Paul, the Paul family. And Deacon Jim did a great job. I'm so blessed to, to serve alongside him. Uh, but anyway, we, me and Amanda went to Giant Grocery Store at like 11 o'clock at night. Okay? Because I wanted some ice cream and she wanted some cookies at 11 o'clock at night. Anybody been there? And I still had my clergy shirt and pants and everything on except for the white piece, right? The dog collar that chokes us. And there was this other young guy there. And he says, is that a clergy shirt? And I said, well, it is. He says, well, I'm a Lutheran pastor. So this other young guy who's in his 30s is another Lutheran pastor in town who uh, happens to be at Giant at 11 o'clock at night because we don't have any time any, any rest of the day, you know? And, um, and so we get talking, and I said, yeah, we're not, you know, what denomination are you? He says, well, we're ELCA. And I said, well, we're not. And he says, well, we, I won't hold it against you. <laughs> and then uh, we start talking about First Lutheran for a little bit. And the work that this church has done and the reputation that we have, we do have a good reputation as the premier... Uh, at one point, the premier Lutheran church in this area, the fastest growing, the largest, the one that were involved in the community, the ones that were doing incredible ministry, and that reputation is still known in this community as First Lutheran, the faithful saints of this church. And again, I, I had these random conversations. I mean, who would have known at 11 o'clock at night, an ELCA pastor still speaks highly of our congregation, right? A young guy. It's pretty cool. So the question is, are we living as saints, or as sinners, or as both? I hope that we're living as both. I hope that there's part of us that lives as we should, as saints. The inheritance of saints, that's today's message. That we are striving to make this world a better place, that we're striving to proclaim Jesus, that we're, we're treating our neighbors with love and respect, all of those things. And then, of course, in our humanness, we mess up and we live as sinners. But we don't want to live as sinners all the time, right? Um, we want to be as a Mother Teresa in our own community, as a little Jesus. But we don't have to be that huge, you know, we don't have to be saint so-and-so, right? We don't have to be recognized by the Pope to be a saint this morning. All of us this morning in Romans 1-7, it tells us this, that we are set apart for God as saints. And the church in Ephesus learned this and embraced this as the fellowship of saints, that they will be a part of that by doing the will of God. So the first uh, verse we're going to look at is verse 15. Since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and your love for all God's people. So there was two qualities that marked the Ephesian church. One, they had faith in Jesus that was more than passive. It was more than reciting a creed. It meant complete trust in Christ. Complete trust in Christ and complete trust in one another. That was the first mark. And the second mark 
which we can read in the book of James, is that this trust, this relationship with each other, resulted in fruit, in good fruit. So, And when we talk about good fruit and bad fruit, oftentimes it really doesn't mean a whole lot to us. You know, we're not farmers in this congregation. But you've had rotten fruit on your counter, right? Anybody? Okay. You've ever had like, I don't know, What's, what's something like a peach go so bad to the point, like you maybe you left for vacation and that peach sat for two weeks and you come home and it's like mush and you have flies on it, right? That's bad fruit, right? And a good peach is nice and sweet and, you know, all these things. So I want you to think about that. Are we a bunch of rotten fruits or good fruit this morning? Do we have rotten fruit in our life, or is it just good fruit? Do we have a maybe one in that in the bunch that's going to cause the rest of the fruit to go bad this morning? Because you know that, right? Like potatoes. We know if you put them in, uh, what is it, pantyhose, and you put all your potatoes in different ones, they'll stay fresher longer. Did you, you guys know that? Oh, that's just a country boy trick. Okay. <laughs> See? Yeah, I might know a few th- thing or two. Uh, yeah, if you put them in pantyhose, they will stay fresh longer, the potatoes. They won't rot. Um, so sometimes we got to separate the bad fruits from our lives, right? we got to be able to move forward as a congregation. we got to be able to love each other. Um, we got to have a good reputation, as we just spoke about. we got to have a good reputation. Now, what I'm here to tell you is we have a good reputation as a congregation. we got to continue to have, live into that reputation. We don't want to sour that. We want to actually, we want to capitalize on the reputation of the saints of our past. We want to be able to market that because you know what? There's a trust in the name of our congregation to the community, a first evangelical Lutheran church, Gray Manor. There's a trust already established that people know we are here to serve Christ in this community. Now, Ephesians 2.2 2 tells us this, that believers should have the same love, being in full accord in one mind. Full accord in one mind. I'm keeping sure I'm not skipping ahead of myself here. Um, that we love each other to a level that is unnatural. Um, again, I shared this with, a, with another member. The ones that you love the most typically are your own family members, your flesh and blood, your kids. You love them wholeheartedly. You would do anything in the world for them, right? I hope. Not all families are close. I get it. But that's the way the Lord designed us. So what's unnatural is the church is a place where we come together and we are family because we choose to be. But that same love that you show your children, you must show for one another as the body of Christ. That's what the Bible says. In fact, it says it's not, it's not a suggestion. It's not a maybe. It's a command by Jesus, by the Apostle Paul, that we are to love each other and be of one accord to the point that we are there for each other like we are our own family. If something happens, we're there, right? We carry each other's burdens, as I spoke in another sermon about. We 
we are unnatural. We're strange. Because the point is, we are not the world on the outside. We are different than the world. There is so much love that it radiates from the congregation. And then when people come here, they're like, well, these are a bunch of weirdos, you know? They really love each other. I don't understand it. I mean, and then, again, we have so much polarization in this country, Republicans and Democrats. Could you imagine if the two people, both parties were represented in this church and they loved each other despite their politics? Because let me tell you, it has polarized churches. But it doesn't matter because we love each other. That we're completely different from the world. That we don't provide just spiritual goods and services. That it's not about power, but servanthood at church. It's all about servanthood. We just we reread the, the gospel from last week, which is good. Because it makes a point, right? Whoever wants to be first must be last. That's all of us this morning. We should be last because of our love for each other, and the love to be servants for Jesus. So next, our verses 16 through 19 for you. I don't stop giving thanks to God for when I remember you in my prayers. So now we, we lead into praying. I pray that the God of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation that makes God known to you. I pray the eyes of your heart will have enough light to see what is the hope of God's call, what is the richness of God's glorious inheritance among believers, what is the overwhelming greatness of God's power that is working among all believers. The power is conferred by the energy of God's powerful strength. In him, we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works everything out in conformity and purpose of his will, in order that we who put, first, put our first hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. So again, we continue to the next few verses that Paul's prayer moves from thanksgiving of the faithful people in Ephesus, as he states, to uh, petition. And he petitions three things. Uh, one is the hope in which we are called. Uh, that the believer has hope for this life and the next one. Assured of our salvation uh, by the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you remember last week, I talked about when we acknowledge Jesus into our lives, we are gifted with the gift of the Holy Spirit. We are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that gift of the Holy Spirit gives us assurance of our salvation. It gives us the assurance of when I die, that's not just what it is, right? that I don't go into the ground and, and never see anything ever again. That in fact, I have an inheritance in heaven. I have an inheritance in this Jesus Christ as the Messiah of the world. That we acknowledge the saving gift of Jesus on the cross. Now, my son uh, is at Trinity, as you guys know, and he had a memory verse. He has a memory verse every week. Uh, which is pretty incredible that they can memorize a verse in kindergarten every week, right? So this one is Psalm 145, verse 17. The Lord is righteous. The Lord is faithful. 
in all his ways and faithful in all his deeds. So he talks the talk and walks the walk. That's what God does for us this morning. Second, his glorious inheritance. God shares his glory with his children, and we in turn bring glory to him as we do his will. And we find that as believers in Jesus, that we are to be joyful people. We are to be enthusiastic and excited for the will of Jesus, right? In Acts 2.42 or 46, it tells us this. Day by day, followers of Jesus, continuing with one mind in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of the heart. So being a believer of Jesus also means you are a person of joy. Amen? Amen. I see some dreary eyes out in the congregation this morning. All right. So we need to, we need to have joy in Jesus. Right? Offering, for example, there's a scripture that says what? God loves a cheerful giver. Right? We don't do it out of pain. We don't do anything in our faith out of pain or necessity. We do it out of joy and our love for God. And third, his immeasurable great power. That without the Holy Spirit, and we've already hit it on this on, on the first point, without the gift of the Holy Spirit, nothing is possible. But with God, all things are possible. With the gift of the Holy Spirit, we can move mountains is what the scripture says, right? The faith, the size of a mustard seed. Who has the faith, the size of a mustard seed this morning? I hope all of us that we have faith that can move mountains, right? That we can walk by faith, not by sight. That our attempts at reform and ambitions are really unnecessary. Because God and the gift of the Holy Spirit will truly be the one that gives us direction. And we just need to be faithful and follow that direction. With hope, with assurance of our inheritance, and acceptance is only the power through God. Again, all things, are all things are possible. And lastly, verses 20 to 23 for you. An exalted person. To be an exalted person of God. To be an inherited saint. God's power was at work in Christ. When God raised him from the dead and sat him at God's right side in heaven and far above every ruler in authority and power and angelic power and any power that might be named not only now, but in the future. All right, so let's, I want you to really think about this this morning. All countries will come and fall, but Jesus Christ will always be there. He is the ruler of our lives. And God put everything under Christ's feet and made him the head of everything in the church. The head. Which is his body. His body, the church, is the fullness of Christ who fills everything in every way. He was raised from the dead and God, God the Father demonstrated his approval and taught Christ to us all. He made him the Lord of lords the Lord of all. And this is fundamental in the book of Acts 
where we have the beginning of the church. That's another book we're going to have to read together, the book of Acts. Has anybody read the book of Acts? Good. We need to do some Bible studies on that book. It tells us what the church is supposed to be. And again, when we acknowledge Jesus and confess our faith in Christ, he changes the world. Many great teachers and martyrs have lived and died, but only one was raised from the dead. And he was made to sit in heavenly places. And Christ ascended to heaven. And Jesus stood before the governor. He was hung on the cross. He laid in the tomb, was raised from the dead, and is now seated at the right hand of God. He is the head over the church. So what does that mean for us today? Christ is the head of the church. What does that mean for First Lutheran? Right? That Christ is steering this ship. No one else. That Christ, and the whole, through the Holy Spirit, will convict the hearts of the people. Right? And Christ does. You know, the Bible is clear. He appoints pastors and theologians and all this things. But Christ is still the head. He calls the church his bride. And if you have a daughter, raise your hand, right? You have a daughter. Okay. When you have a daughter, you're pretty overly protective. At least I am so far. All right? That's the relationship that Christ has with the church. He protects us. He loves us sincerely. Despite when we mess up. I mean, my daughter at 20 months likes to crawl on top of me and bite my head. <laughs> it's like her favorite thing to do. But she loves me. I know she loves me. Right? And I'm sure one day, as, as she's getting older, I'm going to continue to be more and more protective. But that's the relationship we're talking about. And I posted the, uh, yesterday, it's, it was a phrase from D.L. Moody. He created uh, the Moody Bible Institute in Chicago. And he says, um, to any man who doesn't treat his wife well, don't talk to me about Christianity. Right? And uh, I think it goes to, well, if this is, and this isn't my sermon, <laughs> if the church is the bride of Christ, and we don't treat it well, don't talk to us about Christianity. Right? We must treat the church as the bride of Christ, as the daughter, as, you know, the, the, with Christ steering the ship. And how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we treat the church well so that it can move for generations to proclaim the gospel, to preach the good word, to share the love of Christ? So I encourage us this morning uh, to, again, live as saints and live as sinners, trusting that the Lord is the Lord of all over our whole life. And a Lord, as we know, truly rules over our, over our life, right? We look back at the governments of the past. When you had a Lord, they had complete authority over you. If they wanted you killed, you were killed. They wanted you to live, you'd live. If they wanted you to be rich, you'd be rich. If you didn't want to be poor, you'd be poor. That's the kind of power that God has over us. He has complete authority. We are 
uh, again, let's go back into it. First point here, we were supposed to be of one mind, of one accord, of one love. And, and part of you, you know, it's almost impossible. I'm reading a book by Francis Chan right now called Letters to the Church. And if you're not a big reader, it's on audiobook on Audible through Amazon. So, and I, I know if we raise our hands, who has Amazon? I'm just curious. Okay. I mean, we always have packages like every day. I don't know what they all are, but uh, we, we have Amazon and we, and I listened to this book and he's talking about how he thought in America, it was impossible to have the love that the early church had. But then you could go over to places like China and India where all these people are getting persecuted and they have this great love for each other. And, and he doesn't understand it. But here in the States, we can have the love that the early church was talking about, that Jesus is talking about. Uh, second, we, we talked about petition of Paul's prayer with the hope and assurance of our inheritance and that through the power of God, anything is possible. And lastly, we talked about the exalted person. Confessing Jesus again as the Lord over everything we do. So as a congregation, let's do the will of God. Not what our human flesh says, right? As saints and sinners. And change the world. Change the world. We can do it through the power of Jesus. Like Mother Teresa started an orphanage with three shillings. What can we do through God's power? And as she said, anything with God. Amen? Let us pray. God, as we continue to worship you today, as we reflect upon this word, God, we know all things are possible through your Holy Spirit. And nothing is possible through us. God, bless us as a congregation as, you're, as you will. God, help us continue to have good reputations in this community to serve you. And let us build upon that as a people. God, that more and more people may know you as their Lord and Savior. Help us change the world through social need and justice, God. Whatever that looks like, again, directed by you. Help us be of one mind and one accord, as Acts 2.47 tells us this morning. God, because we, again, we know through you all things are good, and through you all things are possible. Help us, dear Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.